Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this evening, can we perhaps turn to the Gospel according to Mark? That's Mark's Gospel and chapter 5, commencing to read at verse 1. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, commencing to read at verse 1, and this is what the word of the Lord hath to say. And they came over, that's the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples, they came over onto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come up, that's the Lord Jesus, when he was come up out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion 
sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil. And also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. When he was come up into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Ending our reading at verse 20, we trust that the Lord will add with his own divine stamp of blessing and approval the public reading of his precious word. The chapter that we read before us, Mark's Gospel chapter 5, is a well-known portion of scripture. It's recorded on no less than two other occasions in scripture. It's recorded the same scene of events in Matthew's Gospel chapter 8 and also in the Gospel according to Luke chapter 8. Friends, we live in a broken world. We only have to turn on our TV screens or, or pick up a newspaper to see that there is something desperately wrong in the world in which we live. It's a broken world with broken homes, broken marriages, broken hearts, and alas, broken people as well. But if ever there was a broken man in Scripture whose life we could turn to and could consider and could study, it's this man mentioned in Mark's Gospel in chapter 5. He's known as the Gadarene demoniac. The narrative that we have here in Mark's Gospel is very descriptive and very vivid in relation to the problems and the difficulties and the dilemma that he was experiencing in his life. His life had simply been taken over by a demonic force. And this demonic force controlled every facet of his behavior and it led to his ruin and his retreat from his family, from his friends, from his neighborhood. It's a story that begins 
with tragedy, but it ends in victory and tranquility. It begins in anarchy, but friends, it it ends in true harmony. And it was the Lord Jesus Christ that made the difference. It's a story of a depraved man with a depraved nature overtaken by the forces of darkness. And for a short time this evening, I want us to just consider one single day in the life of this man. A day that transformed him for God and transformed him for good. It was the day that the Gadarene demoniac came into contact with the Galilean deliverer known as Jesus Christ. I want us to to first of all consider his unpleasant surroundings. Look what we read in in verse 2. And when he was come up, that's the Lord Jesus, out of the ship immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Look what it says in verse 3. That this man with the unclean spirit had his dwelling among the tombs. Look what it says in verse 5. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs. Crying and cutting himself with stones. Friends, it was on the 10th of March 1987 that my father sadly passed away at the age of 62 years, relatively young by today's standards. It was some 22 years later on the the 13th of November 2009 that my my mother also left this old world in which we live. And both of them, though they were saved by God's free and sovereign grace, both of them were buried in Anfield Cemetery in Liverpool. The cemetery is just, I suppose, a few hundred yards away from Everton Football Stadium and from Anfield or Liverpool's football stadium. Thousands upon thousands of people pass by that cemetery on a weekly basis. Thousands and thousands of people perhaps have their relatives residing in the same place as my mum and dad reside. But not for a moment would any of them think as they pass that cemetery. That's where I want to set up my next home. That's where I want to live. That's where I want to reside. But friends, this man did. This gathering demoniac 
He took up residence. He took up home in the sepulchre, in the mountains and caves. As crazy as it seems, this man lived in the local cemetery in the days when the Lord walked the broad acres of this world. It would appear that his, his mind, his life was preoccupied with death. He lived in the place of death. His dwelling was, the Bible says, amongst the tomb. And he was completely isolated from society itself. We read from the scriptures that any that came into contact with a tomb, with these whited sepulchres as they were often called, they were considered to be uncleaned and they were ostracized in society. We often call the cemetery the, the place of rest, but there was no rest, you know, for the Gadarene demoniac. For day and night, and night and day, those who would live in the surrounding areas could just hear the wailing and the weeping of this poor, benighted soul. It would do us good, you know, just to pause there for a moment and to reflect upon the subject of death and where we will spend eternity. I mentioned that Dad died at the age of 62 years, but he was only saved a couple of weeks before the Lord took him home to be with himself. That's a life wasted, young people, older people. A life wasted for the Lord. My mom was led to the Lord by the Reverend William McRae. Just 48 hours before God called her from this old world. Another deathbed conversion. But friends, how is it with your soul this evening? Where will, where will you spend eternity? Loved ones will weep one day. Oh, my silent face. And dear ones will clasp me in sweet embrace. Shadows and darkness will fill the place. Five minutes after I die. Faces that sorrow I will not see. Voices that murmur they'll not reach me. But where, oh where will my spirit be? Five minutes after I die. Nor to repair the good I lack. Fixed to the goal of my chosen track. 
no time to repent, no turning back. Five minutes after I die. Mated forever with my chosen throng. Long is eternity, oh so long. Then woe is me if my soul be wrong. Five minutes after I die. Friends, it's no fairy tale. It's no make-believe story. We have never been nearer the day of our death than we are right now. But with Judgment Day honesty, we have to ask ourselves the question, where will I spend eternity? Oh, praise God, we're still in the day of grace. But your decision here will determine your eternal welfare. Your decision will determine your destiny. Do you know the Bible teaches us that the Lord is not willing? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so as we reflect again upon this Gadarene demoniac, the first thing we see is the un unpleasant surroundings that he lived in. He lived in the place of death. But I want you to see his uncontrollable behavior here. For look what it says in verse 3. He had his dwelling amongst the tombs and no man could bind him. No not with chains. Look what it says in verse 4. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. He was often bound. He was a man who had lost his family. He had lost his friends. He had lost his mind. He was an individual who had lost his way in life. Society would have called him a madman. Society would have called this man a lunatic. They would have said that there is the disturbed one. And if ever there was a case of antisocial behavior in the scriptures, it's this gathering demoniac. But doesn't this scene paint a very vivid description of the sinner this evening? Because the Bible places the sinner in this category that the sinner is without God and without hope in this world. That's the place that the Lord puts the sinner. Oh, he has an existence. He has a form of life. 
But there is no depth of spirituality in his soul. He has no hope beyond the grave. The sinner has no peace. He doesn't possess the peace of God that passeth all understanding. He's an individual with no joy. We often teach the children in the Sabbath school that if you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. But the sinner has no real joy. He has no peace. He has no contentment, no true happiness because there has been no salvation wrought in his soul. You see, the sinner is without Christ and although our circumstances might not be the same as the the gathering demoniac, Nonetheless, we too are ruined by the fall. For his own protection, they had taken this individual and they had bound him for his own safety in chains. That was the authorities of the day. And time and time again, this madman, he would just take those chains... And he would snap them apart. I wonder are you bound and fettered by the chain of sin this evening. Those sins that doth so easily beset us. I wonder if we got an habitual sin that we just can't gain the victory over. I wonder do you even realise this evening that you're in the place of bondage and exposed to the wiles of the devil all because of sin. I want us to see his unpleasant surroundings in the tomb. I want you to see his uncontrollable behavior. I want you to see his unbelievable strength. Look what it says again in in verse 4. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man chain him. See, this man who was demon-possessed, he had a supernatural strength. The chains were, were nothing to him. He just couldn't be bound. He couldn't be tamed. He would break those chains. They were as paper before him. You see, he had this supernatural, demon-possessed strength. You know, I think that we sometimes underestimate the, the power of Satan and sin. I think sometimes we underestimate the influence that sin can have upon these lives of ours. The Bible says of the child of God that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness. 
in high places. Remember the Lord was tempted himself of the devil. If we were to turn just to Matthew's gospel, just a few verses in Matthew's gospel, we there read in verse 1 of chapter 4, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. You see, the Savior was tempted also. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. You know, time and time again, we read the response of the Lord Jesus. What he says in verse 4 it is written. He refers back to the written word of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city and setteth him on, a, on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. Then the devil uses the written word, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. What did the Lord say? Look at verse 7. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But this is the verse that I want to bring you to, verse 8. And again, you see, we underestimate the power of the devil. And again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and he showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. See, we underestimate the power of the devil and the influence that he has. The Bible says that he is like a roaring lion roaming to and fro and he's seeking whom he may devour. Friends, sin will take us further than we want to go. Sin will cost us more than we want to pay. Sin will keep us longer than we want to stay. And it's all a ploy and a plan and a plot of the devil. We can see his unpleasant surroundings, his uncontrollable behavior. We can see his unbelievable strength. But I want you to see his unconsolable heart in verse 5. It says, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cunning himself with stones. This man was unconsolable. Always, night and day, week after week, month after month, year after year, he could be heard in the mountains. Moaning and woeing and crying. 
He could be heard screaming and, and the people of the neighboring villages would, would listen to the gathering demoniac, this disturbed madman who was unconsolable in life. You see, life could get no worse for him than it already was. He was isolated. He was alone. He suffered from insomnia. Couldn't sleep, this man. Bible says that night and day, even through the night, there was a wailing and a weeping and a howling. Can we see his unconsolable heart? I want you to see the undeniable hurt, you know. Look what it says in, in verse 5. He was in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. He was self-harming. Things had got so bad for this individual that he didn't want didn't to really live anymore. He wanted to, to end it all. And he would pass time by harming himself throughout life. He was really a broken person with a broken life and ruined by the fall. And you know, if we were to leave, if we were to leave the message there this evening, we would go away from the house here in, in Carrie Duff and we would be so discouraged. We would be so downcast and deflated and depressed that there was such an individual who lived such an awful life and he lived that awful life alone. But friends, there's something else. Because there was an unbelievable experience that he encountered one day. Look what it says in verse 6. But when he saw Jesus. Friends, that made all the difference to this man. To this man who had lost his family. Who had lost any fortune that he had. Who had lost all his friends and couldn't sleep and they couldn't chain him and he lived in the tombs. There was a day in the life of this man when he for the very first time saw Jesus. It was an encounter that would change his life for time and for eternity and so many of us you know can look back to that time when we too by faith saw for the very first time the man of sorrows the one who was acquainted with grief and we can say with the hymn writer of old as soon as my all I ventured on the atoning blood the Holy Spirit entered and I was born of God. As soon as he saw the Savior, something changed in his life. 
First of all, he realized that this was the God-man. That this was the maker and creator of the heavens and the earth. See, it wasn't a, a psychologist that this man needed. It was a savior all the time. It wasn't a doctor. But it was a deliverer from Satan and sin, which was his greatest need. It wasn't so much the medicine that this man needed, but rather the master. He needed a touch from the master's hand. It wasn't so much a remedy for his condition that he sought, but rather a redeemer for his soul. And it all changed that day when he saw Jesus afar off. Do you know, so often we can read through Scripture and we come to a precious but in Scripture. And we have such a one in verse in verse 6, look what it says in verse 5 again. And always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Friends, life for him became different that day. The day that he met the Lord Jesus Christ. And life can become different for you this day. If you by faith call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you by faith can get a glimpse of this man of Galilee. Called Jesus Christ. Because the message of the cross is our only hope in this dark and desperate world in which we live. The Bible says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That he's not willing that any should perish and neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Do you know with this I'll close this evening. I don't really follow social media all that much. But occasionally I would go on to Facebook. It's normally to check out what my children are up to and where my children are. Uh, though one of them is 30 years of age and the other's uh, 28 years of age and another is uh, 24 years of age, nonetheless, Dad likes to just keep a watchful eye. And on Facebook, just a, just a few weeks ago, I came across uh, a scene. And the scene was a long line of people that was snaking and there was old people. And there was young people. And there was tall people. And there was short people. And there was fat people. And there was also thin people. And it seemed as though this line just went on and on and on. 
But away at the far end of the line, there was a line on the floor and it said the deadline. And everybody that stepped up to the deadline, they just went out into God's eternity. It was a very, very striking picture because I thought to myself, no one can step out of that line and move a few paces back and step back in again. And friends, we're all in that line this evening. But there is a line beyond which we will go no further in this old life. And so it is imperative that we ensure before God that we're right for heaven and we're right for home. The Bible says, prepare to meet thy God. There may be just a couple of dozen of us in the service this evening, but everybody that God wants to be here is here this evening. And everyone that the Lord wants to speak to in this locality is gathered in here this evening. I wonder, could the Lord be speaking to you about your never-dying soul? Could this be the very, the very evening when you, just like the Gadarene demoniac, come face to face by faith with Jesus Christ? Could this be the very hour which will change your entire life for time and for eternity? But when he saw Jesus afar off, Christ made the difference in his life. Let's bow together for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the scriptures of truth. We thank thee for the gospel which is simply glorious. We thank thee for the gospel which is gloriously simple. That if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus. The Bible says we shall, we shall be saved. And so, Lord, we just pray that the devil might not steal away the seed of the word of God which has been sown in the hearts and souls of all who are gathered in we pray that the Spirit of God might continue to wrestle with each and every one and that the cry might go up from this new building, this new sanctuary. It says, what must I do to be saved? Bless us in the closing moments of this service, we pray. For we ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen.